0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. So good to see you here. God bless you. You you guys think you're blessed being here. I'm blessed seeing you here. Yes. Really am. Well, all you watching by live stream again today, we pray blessings on you. Just just real quickly, uh, I say blessings over Jeanette Rojas, the, her father passed, and so blessings on you. You know, I just sense, Jeanette, there's some, uh, maybe some disappointment in your life, but I want you to know that God's saying this from my heart right now, that the disappointments that you've experienced will become appointments with him. He's going to take the diss out of it, and so blessings on you i know there's many of you that you may be here or watching live stream that have had surgical procedures we are praying over you blessings to you uh over uh jared and crystal mott blessings we pray for you so there's many of you i really really appreciate your prayer requests and just the opportunity to pray for you and we've stood over and over well i'm going to ask you to open your bible i'm going to go to an interesting one to start with the song of solomon and some of you say, the song of who? The song of Solomon. That is, uh, you'll go through the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. If you get to Isaiah, you've gone too far. The song of Solomon, chapter 2. Now, where we're going today is we're picking back up where we were a few weeks ago with Samson and the Philistines. But as you're turning to song of Solomon 2, Hebrews 2, chapter 1 says this, that we must give. Special or careful attention to the things we've heard. I, I must give special attention to the things I've heard. And in other words, I believe he's saying you, you've, you've got to be attentive. You've got to be engaged to the Word of God, to the things you've heard. Because if I don't, I get to a thing in my life where I begin to drift from the things of God, I drift off course. And usually when we begin to drift off course, it's gradually, it's it's little by little, and it's a small modification here and a minor alteration there. And before long, man, I I have gotten rid of the things of God in my life. Now, one of the things I want to highlight today with every one of us, I I cannot dilute the word of God. I, I cannot have multiple choice with the word of God to accommodate my lifestyle or the sin in my life, okay? So we're going to hit this today. It's going to be good. The Word of God is really, really good. So you're going to get a a buffet today. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. And I better get there. I'm still in Ecclesiastes. Catch us, the foxes. Catch us the foxes, now all you young men or old men, that's not talking about women, okay? That's not what that's talking about at all. The passage says, you must catch the troubling foxes. He goes on to say, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things in life that ruin the harvest. And so the little foxes could be unbelief, It could be resistance. It could be a hardness of heart. And hardness of heart is always revealing that I have not repented of my sins and turned from them. Or I'm walking in unforgiveness. But it's interesting, he says here, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Those little uh, sly foxes that hinder our relationship. And he ends this and says, for our vines have tender grapes. One translation says this right here, to ruin what I've planted. So when I read what he's talking about, catch the foxes. And if you'll notice in both times he referenced foxes there, they were plural. I believe the foxes that he's talking about are the areas in my life that I begin to compromise with the things of God. In, in any sense, when I begin to say, okay, I, I, I can live this way and I can live this way or do this or do that, even though it doesn't line up with the Word of God. So we go back to what I said. I've got to retain the Word of God. I, I must give spiritual attention to that. Now, go with me back to the book of Judges, chapter 16. Judges, chapter 16. We must capture Or even catch those little foxes. Judges 16. Now, I told you two weeks ago that when we got over on this guy named Samson, we were going to come back to this passage. If you remember Samson, he was blessed by God with incredible strength. I mean, incredible, incredible feats he would do. And so a couple weeks ago when we began, the name Samson, remember, it meant a light and a shield for Israel Samson was a Nazarite, which meant basically that he would not partake of any wine or intoxicating drink. Number two, he would never shave his head. Or number three, he would never pick up a dead body. Now we know that he picked up a dead body. But we get back into Samson's story. And Samson, him and the Philistines were in a tug of war. That Samson would do something against them. And human nature will retaliate against him. And so it went back and forth, back and forth, and we ended a couple weeks ago that, remember, Samson took the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand men with that. Now, I don't know about you, that'll be a great rerun when we get to heaven. I, I look forward to seeing that story. So we pick up in Judges 16, verse 1. Now, Samson went to Gaza, and Gaza was a, a major walled city for the Philistines. So literally speaking here, you get this. He went into the Philistines' territory, right smack dab in the middle of it. And he saw a harlot. He, he saw a, a harlot. Now I want to highlight the word saw here because this begins to real, uh, reveal Samson's decline. It was the beginning of a slide to disaster. That Samson saw, and we see this several times in him that he saw. I, I highlight this this morning because what, what I find out is with the male gender, is God created something supernatural with us, with our eyes. And that's why the marriage covenant is so important. That with my eyes, he designed that just for that purpose alone. And so again, you find throughout history in the Bible, oftentimes the downfall of man, be careful little eyes, what you see. And so we begin to see this here with Samson. Now, if you notice, it said he saw a harlot. It didn't say he saw his wife. And so for you young ones, I'm just going to help you today. There in Hebrews, it says the marriage covenant or the marriage bed is undefiled. In other words, these eyes are only reserved for the marriage covenant. And if I ever get outside that, I've crossed something that God does not approve of. And so when you see here, he saw a harlot. This wasn't referring to that, that old Samson was wanting to take a selfie with this harlot. He had other motives. And so it goes on to say, and he went into her. He spent the night with her. So what you begin to see here is the lust of the eyes got the best of him. It started out With a little fox. Remember, it's those little foxes that spoil the mind. So he had this thought, I can compromise with my eyes. And oftentimes, as men, we hear this statement, it's okay to look. Well, looking often leads to lusting. Man, Pastor, you're preaching good. Boy, I'm sure glad my kids are here today. Well, actually, I'm talking to some of us adults, too. And so right here we begin to see something that began to get him into trouble. Verse 2. And when the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and they had lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying in the morning when it is daylight, we'll kill him. And Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts. He pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces the bronze. Now, Samson goes out at midnight and he sees these gates locked. And instead of just breaking the lock and kicking down these, these gates, it literally says that he uproots the whole gates. The foundation and all. Now, some of you in here that lift weights a little bit, you may think you can squat a lot, but this guy, he squats all this, and then it says he carries them up a hill. I believe when you studied this, the reason he did is he was trying to intimidate the Philistines that when they saw him do that, they thought, oh my gosh, I don't want anything to do with that guy. Verse 4. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Zorak, whose name was Delilah. Now we run into another problem with old Samson. This woman named Delilah is a Philistine. The Bible is very clear. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. If you override that and you can, you're opening yourself up to something that you don't want to. And so this woman here named Delilah, her name means depleted. That's what Delilah meant. Her goal was to deplete Samson of his strength, of his honor, and of his faith. Now, when I study this woman named Delilah, oh, depleted here, you never uh, find her name mentioned ever again in the Bible. This is the only place that I find her name. And her goal was to influence Samson away from the things of God. And so when I I think of this woman named Delilah, here's a great thought for you with people in your life. Some people come into your life for a reason. And some people come into your life for a season. And some people come into your life for a lifetime. Just remember those thoughts. Some people come in for a reason, some for a season, and some for a lifetime. And so we begin to see this guy named Samson that physically he he can kill a lion with his bare hands. Physically, he can kill a thousand men with the jawbone of the donkey, but in this situation, he never developed the fruit of self-control. And what you begin to see here again, the weakness that started with his eye, it began to intensify. Verse 5. And so the Lord of the Philistines, they came up to her and they said, entice him, seduce him, and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him and afflict him And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So, what was her motivation? Money. Money. And so, I got to paraphrase here a little bit for time's sake. Day after day, she tries to get him to tell her what his strength is. Day after day. And he'll never do it until, same chapter, verse 16. And it came to pass when she pestered him, she nagged him daily with her words, and she pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. She tormented him. Now, there's many words that begin to describe she enticed him, she seduced him, she tormented him. This, this is very uh, real to me with the, the things the devil tries to do to us. And so day by day by day by day, she was working on him. Verse 17, that he told her all his heart, and he said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And so she deceives him in incredible way. And one of the Hebrew commentaries I read, it says, this was a pitiful excuse for disobedience for Samson. Verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. Now, what ends up happening here is she knew... That Samson did not lie to her or tell her an untruth because anytime he mentioned the name of God, he would never lie about that. So back in verse 17, he said, I am a Nazarite to God or I have been God's." And so she knew right here, he's telling the truth. One thing I want to highlight about the hair of a Nazarite, the reason they never cut it, it was a form of their loyalty. Man, every time they'd see those long dreads of hair, they'd say, man, that rascal is loyal to God. Verse 19, that gets interesting. And she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man, and he had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep his sleep. And he said, I will go out as before at other times, and I will shake myself free. I will go out like I always have. Here's the thing that I begin to look at this when he said this. He kind of took the anointing of God as like a light switch. Samson had the thought. I I can turn the things of God on or off in my life anytime I want, but watch what this verse ends up saying here. I will go out as before at other times, and I will shake myself free, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Why had the Lord departed from him? Because the violation of the vows that he had with God, anytime I get over into sin or I get over to disobedience in my life, it'll zap the anointing of God. And so he, he broke the Nazarite vow. He broke that loyalty to God. And, and oftentimes when we get over into sin in our lives or we get over to disobedience, we have the thought, man, I I don't know that God could ever use me again. I don't know that God would want me again. And oftentimes we go through life in the tomb of guilt and shame. And I love the song that when Kelsey was singing, it said in there, he's not ashamed to be seen with me. Now, this is going to come back into play here because I I believe with all my heart, there's many of us, whether we're on live stream or in this this, uh, auditorium right now, the house of God. Oftentimes, we get in this situation where we have the thought, I don't know that God could use me again. Our God is still in the business of taking messes and making miracles, okay? He doesn't quit on us. Verse 21 Then the Philistines took him out and they put out his eyes. Here's what's interesting about that statement. He sinned with his eyes and he was punished with his eyes. And when you see here, they put out his eyes. It it literally means here they gouged out his eyes. And the Philistines didn't want to kill him. They wanted to shame him. They wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to dishonor him in a form they were dishonoring his God, is what they were doing. So they put out his eyes and they brought him down to Gaza and they, brown, they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. So what that means, he grinded grain. He was like an a animal that they would put on a, a, a piece of wooden beam and he would go in circles all day and would grind. And again, they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to mock him. Verse 22 However, the hair of his head began to grow again, and it had been shaven. Now, when I looked at that, we have the thought, well, that's the natural thing. When I get my hair shaven, it begins to grow back. But in this verse right here, it it implies that this was the mercy of God, that God would restore him in spite of his sin. Man, when I read that, I thought, that's like my God. God's a God of mercy. Keep reading. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god. So they come to the temple to offer sacrifices to this idol. And remember the idol of Dagon. His upper torso was that of a human, but his lower torso was that of a fish. Here's this carved idol, and they come in to make sacrifice to him. Remember part of the custom of the the worship to Dagon? They would sacrifice their children. Now, I don't know that that's what they were doing there, but I had a good thought that's what they're doing. And so when they would come into the temple to offer the sacrifices, their temple would become an entertainment center. It was like a dinner and a show. Back to verse 22 or 23. And they sacrificed to Dagon, their God, and in your Bible it's got a little g, he's not the real God, okay? And to rejoice, and they said, our God has delivered in our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has delivered to our hands our enemy, the destroyer of the land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So you know what they begin to do? They begin to mock the God of Samson. Look what our God did. Look what our God did. Now we have a God that takes notice. He doesn't like when his children are mistreated. Verse 25. So it happened when their hearts were married that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the two pillars. What this literally means they made a laughing stock out of him. They, they mocked him. He became their entertainment. Then Samson said to the lad who held the pillars, then Samson said to the lad who held him by his hand, he let me fill the pillars with support to the temple so that I can lean on them. Now, when the temple was full of men and women, all the lords of the Philistine were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching Samson perform. Now, can you imagine what they were doing? You you can only get in your mind the the insults that he was was hearing. They were talking trash to him. and, And I believe even they begin to desecrate the name of his God. Verse 28. Watch this. Then Samson called to the Lord. I don't care what condition you're in today. It's never too late to call on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. Saying, oh Lord God. Oh Lord God. Oh Lord God. So when I begin to look at this, Oh Lord God, the message says, Master God. But in the Hebrew, it says it's a very unusual combination of the divine names of God. Oh Lord God. The word Lord here means Hashim. The word God here means Elohim. So when he said this, he was literally saying Hashim Elohim. The word Hashim for Lord means complete obedience when Jesus becomes Lord of my life if he's Lord that that means I'm going to obey him and when we get over the word God here that means Elohim here and in this situation that means here the acknowledgement of God's mastery so when he said this he's basically saying here I'm helpless without God's intervention now look at what he says here oh Lord God remember me Remember me. I pray, strengthen me. I pray just this once, O oh God, that I may be with one blow, take vengeance on all the Philistines for my two eyes. So what you begin to see here, when he references him as oh Lord God, he's repentant. He understands who God is. And, and I think with all my heart that Samson knew, I'm a product of my choices. God didn't do anything wrong. I did all this, but he responded to God. And he said, oh, Lord God, remember me. See, said, God's just waiting for some of you to respond to him. But, but, but I've made a mess of me. But that doesn't disqualify us. How do I know that God restored him? He says, Father God, please just remember me and let me with one blow do this and this. Now watch what happens. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them, one on his right and on the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines and he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's, and all the people were in it. So the dead that were killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. You know what that shows me? God answered his prayer. God responded to him. See, God's still in the business that he responds. I I don't care what you've done in your life, and I believe many times in our life as human beings, We we underestimate the mercy of God. And we underestimate the grace of God. And we sure underestimate the love of God. Turn with me to Psalms 51. The 51st Psalm. And as we go here, I'm going to briefly tell you a story of another man who got in trouble with his eyes. His name was David. David. And when he got in trouble with his eyes, he was King David. And he got over into an account of sin within his eyes. And it caused him to begin to do acts that were so ungodly. And so King David goes on for close to one year and he never would repent on his own. And so because he wouldn't repent on his own, the love of God and the mercy of God, God sends a prophet named Nathan to confront David. Let me highlight that again. He loved David so much, he sent a man to confront him. And so this prophet named David or Nathan, he confronts King David. And when he confronts him, King David didn't stomp and say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. No, he didn't say that. I'm I'm putting that in there. My point in this is that if Nathan doesn't confront David, does David ever repent and turn? And so sometimes the mercy of God, the love of God, the grace of God, God will send people across you to try to get you to a place to help you. And I have people say all the time, but pastor, the, the, the love of God covers a multitude of sin. That's 1 Peter 4 8. It says that. But when you look at what the love of God that covers a multitude of sin means, it literally means this, the one who turns a sinner from his error back to the things of God. That's what that means. So, Nathan confronts him. Psalms 51, verse 1. A prayer of repentance. And listen to what David says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Now, these upcoming verses, five times you're going to hear him use the word my, okay? Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Now, when you see transgression, iniquity, and sin, all those are forms of sin. So he says to Father God, he says, my iniquity, my transgression, my sin. This is huge, okay? Okay. Because you know what King David doesn't say? He doesn't say, "It, it was that woman named Bathsheba's fault. If she wouldn't have been out on the balcony running around with nothing on, I would have never got into that. And so human nature oftentimes is to blame other people or to make excuses. But right here, he doesn't sugarcoat it at all. He stands before God and he says, my sin, my iniquity, my transgressions, For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found or proved just when you speak and blameless or just when you judge. So he confesses his sin to Father God. Now verse 10, same chapter. Listen to his prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Make a fresh start within me, O God. The message says, shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. He says... Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. If you think about everything that he asked God to do, it was stuff on the inside of him. He didn't say, Father God, don't take away my my authority as king. Don't, don't take away my palace. Don't take away my, my camels. Don't take away my Air Jordan. Don't take away my Ray-Ban. Don't, see, everything within him, the restoring was, do a work on the inside of me. R- refine me, reshape me on the inside. See, I believe that's what God wants to do within every one of us. And again, you may be a person that life has put tattoos on you that aren't good, but I can tell you again today, I don't care how you spell your name, in God's eyes, you're forgivable. In God's eyes, you're changeable. In God's eyes, you're capable. In God's eyes, you're moldable. But it takes someone that stands before God and says, Man, Father God, I've done this and this. So I'm going to ask you to stand right there where you're at. And I ask you this question here Do you walk around in this life in the tomb of guilt and shame? I got guilt, I got guilt, I got shame. You know, there were years in my life I didn't make good choices. I had a lot, a lot of guilt and shame. And when I begin to study even this passage here, I realize God will forgive me. God will still make a mess and make a miracle when I respond to Him. What are the little foxes in your life right now? It may not be the issues with your eyes. And I highlight this today right now for especially all you young men in here. But you never open the door to you'll never have to close that door in my own life I open the door to stuff cause great pain not only to me but to people in my life So now the rest of my life, I have to make a conscious effort to keep those doors closed. But if you never open your eyes back up today, you don't have to deal with that. And this is to all of us in here. You learn one of two ways. You either learn by wisdom or you learn the hard way. I went the hard way. I don't want you to go the hard way. And oftentimes we have the thought, what's wrong with just a little look at just look at Samson's life and we have the thought here well you know I, I can go and watch that movie and you know well, what's the matter with a little skin skin is in let's see it and go throughout the history of the Bible and you find what happens when we start compromising with those little foxes ask you to bow your head right there where you're at today if you're guilted and shamed today I'm going to tell you right now what a day oh father God Lord God remember me I, 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 I confess my sin my iniquities my transgressions Lord and if you've compromised in areas and you tell God that he, he's ready to respond to you. He's ready to restore you. And that's the thing with King David. When David said that, Lord, shape the Genesis week in the chaos of my life, God moved with him. God wants to move within you. So I'm going to have our praise and worship team sing right now. And I'm going to ask you, right there where you're at, and let, let, let God hear from you today. Respond to God. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.